I've heard people say, oh my God, the Z's said it's all going to be awful. And I'm like, but equally i have been pollyanna about some of their predictions too you know they told me that um when i was 33 it was going to be the turning point year of my life so i was looking forward to it for two years and i didn't know it was going to be the year from hell mm -hmm. but if i now look back at that year it set the stage for all of this I hope you will consider joining me for Rebirth 2023, my most popular annual course. It kicks off on January 16th, and over two weeks, I will be bringing you various teaching modules on renewing your soul and charting your path. The experience includes exclusive channeled transmissions from my guides, the Z's, many delivered live, Qigong from Stephen Washington, a live Q&A, a community forum, support resources, and some special guest teachers and bonus content. To learn more, see the link below and use the code IMPACT10 for a 10% discount. Hello, welcome to Impact the World, and thank you for being here. As ever, if you are a fan of the show, we're a self-funded, independent show, so it means a lot to us if you hit subscribe or leave a review or a comment, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the audio platforms. These are going to be two very special shows that we're going to have for you in today's episode and the next episode. So about two and a half years ago, I was approached to be on a podcast called Almost 30 by the wonderful Krista and Lindsay. And I'd never heard of the girls before. And even though their podcast is called Almost 30, you know, their joke is that they started it when they were almost 30. And now they're here in their early 30s still doing it, such is the popularity of the podcast. And they really bring spirituality, well-being, awareness, awakening to, you could say, a very different kind of audience than the audience that my work tends to attract, or certainly you could say a younger audience because they are uh, about 13, 14 years younger than me. So it was a real delight to be with them. And I did their show in 2020 over Zoom, and then I had them as a guest on Impact the World uh, back in 2021. So they came to the studio and we did a, a taping, and it was lovely to meet them in person. Flash forward to the release of Conversations with the Z's. So they asked me to come to their studio in LA to be in person to do a taping for the new book, Conversations with the Z's. And a couple of things struck me. Number one, they really knew the book, which it doesn't always happen, and that's fine, but they really knew the book, and they had really delved into the book, gone deep with the book, and they had a lot to ask about it. So in part one, this week's episode, you're going to hear the interview that I did with them around the book and around my work and around the kind of things that I do and why I do them. And it was just a very wide ranging and deep conversation, as it always is with those two. But then in part two, which we will air next week, um, 
something surprising happened. I don't choose to channel very often on other people's shows. It's not that I haven't done it. It just needs to be the right energy fit and it needs to be the right time and there needs to be the right space. But as I was going to their studio that morning, I felt very strongly to channel the Z's for them. So next week in part two, you will hear what was really a very surprising channel. So I'll talk more about that in the intro for next week's show. But today, the girls have very kindly said that we can actually bring the show to you, the Impact the World audience. And of course, we will share links to Almost 30 podcast and their work in general in the show notes. So if you enjoy this, please do check out Krista and Lindsay. They have a fantastic and, and long-running show that's a very popular podcast. So, so many topics are covered, but it was a delight to do this first part with them. So I'll hand it over to them and you will hear them reflecting on the show before we get into it. Enjoy. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista, your BFFs. What's up? In your ears. We're thankful for your listenership and everyone that has been OGs of, you know, of the show. We appreciate you. If you're new, amazing. Welcome. We have so much to connect you all, to hopefully inspire you all, make you laugh, and uh, just make you feel a little bit more confident on your path. And a little bit less alone. Yeah. Been doing this for about six years now. And the way that we do our episodes for our interviews is Lindsay and I catch up. We talk about the guests. We just connect for a little bit, make you laugh, maybe inspire you a little bit. And then we have our amazing guest interviews. Today is Lee Harris. Lee is so incredible. He's been on the podcast before. We were also on his show, which was a deep yeah. honor. Love he is an intuitive, a channel, and a musician. And his teachings are super grounded and he channels a collective group of beings and guides called the Z's. So it is fascinating what comes through. And today we're going to be talking a lot about some of his conversations with the Z's and the insights he gleaned. Yeah. Um, so I was able to dip in to the live channeling that was happening in his membership um, recently that inspired these books. So this is book one of Conversations with the Z's. It's the energetics of the new human soul. Um, and I was just, you know, I'm in awe of, uh, those that channel in this way and are guided to one, like very much create in that moment that, <laughs> that the guidance comes where he was like, they told me to sit down and to channel for you all live in this series. It was like very specific instructions. And they said, this was going to be a book series. You know, so it's 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 very cool to get out of the way as your human self. Um, but it was really beautiful to see live. And then I read the book when I was away on vacation, uh, which is like the move. Um, I love just being able to drop in and read an entire book. It's such a beautiful, easy read. But I loved with channeled work, like just allowing it to like hit like on a cellular level. Um, is so, so fun. And his writing and his way um, of channeling is one that I really relate to. And that's the thing with channeling. Like, there, like not everyone who channels, I'm into. Yeah. And I think a, that's the point. There's a frequency that some, even there's a frequency in books. Like some books, all someone will be like, you have to read this book. Mm -hmm. 
I can think of so many spiritual books where people are like, you have to read this book. And I read it and I go cross-eyed because yeah. there's something about the frequency that isn't a fit for me. And that's the same, I think, with a lot of channelers. And some are just kind of, I don't know, some are just not my totally my vibe. Maybe it's the voice, maybe it's the message, but you have to find, you know, your right run and always use discernment. But mm-hmm. like you said previously, they're all coming from a similar collective consciousness. Yeah. And a lot of them have similar messages they're sharing in different types of ways. Yes. Yeah. It definitely depends on the channel themselves, like kind of, yeah, yeah. their life experience, their lens. Um, I loved in the book, his book, Conversations with Aziz, the part about creating a multidimensional life for yourself. And I really loved this in it, the Aziz say, creating a multidimensional life for yourself. And that can be both an example and a benefactor to others is a crucial next step. And that is a step that most of you at this point are taking great strides forward with. So really the power of role modeling and the power of really living an amazing life as a way to benefit yourself, be an example, and then also benefit others. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us really feel like we're not doing enough if we're living a really good life. If you know we're feeling rested, we're feeling satisfied, we're feeling, you know, whole and happy and we feel like it's not enough. Yes. But that collective, that vibration is actually contributing to the collective vibration in such a really powerful way and setting such a great example. So I'm not one for saying that we're all off the hook to not do work in this world or not give back or not support, you know, our ascension and the people that are suffering. But it is such a reminder that when we do live really well, it can be something that is benefiting the collective in such a really powerful way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love this piece from the book. It's kind of specific, but it just, it made me smile. It was about babies. Um, babies feel that they're in the oneness with all the people around them and the world around them. And occasionally they notice that they are separate. And that's usually when a baby reacts in a negative way. They don't like it. What babies are often crying about is the brief realization that they have, uh, that they aren't in oneness. And then it goes away because they go back into the oneness dream. And then they hit another wall where they realize they're on a separatist earth. And of course, oneness can't exist on earth, as we have said. But the way that your human society has been structured, certainly in the past few hundred years, is not to live from a state of oneness. Yeah, I love to think about like just Mm -hmm. the pureness Mm -hmm. of babies and how they really experience, at least right out the womb, like just this oneness with all things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the in the Hermetica, which is one of my favorite books, there's so many, so many hermetic teachings about the soul entering the human body for the first time Mm. and sort of the, and it's interesting because it's old, you know, hermetic philosophies are so old. So it's sort of a little more um, good and bad. And so it talks about how painful it is for the soul. Yeah, (laughs) It's like, it's actually really graphic. It's like, and I don't know if I subscribe to this belief, but it's like a lot of the souls that are circling the earth, it's like, are screaming, it says basically in the text, are screaming the entire the way down yeah. as they reach earth because they're so sad to like leave their multidimensional mm-hmm. infinite self to like live in our body for a period of time. <laughs> Which now we know you kind of exist on all elements, but it's actually very much like, it is very painful for mm. your soul to just kind of be existing in this body where we lose remembrance of our power, of our yeah. gifts, all of these things. So I can imagine that a little baby is just, also, too, they say that the first child for most women that have um, that get pregnant and give birth, that the babies go um, beyond their due date mm-hmm. for the first. And so I think about that as like the babies are just like, OK, I am 
like not ready for this. Yes. And how in our medical system now, they like force, they like induce labor if you go past. Yeah, which is not. Which, who knows? I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I just am, I, if the thought makes me curious where I'm like, huh, I wonder why we're forcing them out if they're not ready, but Mm -hmm. maybe there's health things that I don't really know, Mm -hmm. you know, but I love the part of this book where, um, the Z say your analytical or rational mind is not able to hold a space for the dream to give you the golden insights that it holds. And so that's why journaling is so important. That's why your mm. imagination, your psychic mind, your visionary self is really important. And mm. that's why your dream state is really important because dreams help you bring the subconscious into the conscious and oh, they wow. do it through very heightened stories or psychedelic levels of experiences. But I really agree with that. You know, our yeah. analytical, rational mind, and even when I'm thinking about dreams for my life, I can think and then sort of bring myself back to the analysis. Yeah. So what are the steps that I have to take to get there? What's like the next step? What do I have to do? And we often don't let ourselves dream big enough to get out of that. Like, for me, it's an even stress and anxiety of, oh my God, I have more work. You know, oh, I have more work to do if I want to achieve my goals, you know, but we don't allow ourselves to really, you know, let God in and let the soul create the dream for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard for a lot of people to like use their imagination. The imagination is so Think about a child now put in front of TVs, now put in front of games. I know. 24-7. They say a passive, passive, passive toys make an active mind. Yes. Active toys make a passive mind. So if they're already having their stimulation hit and their dopamine hit from TV, they're not going to imagine. Yeah. Say no more. I know. It's heartbreaking. Say no more. That's such a imagination is your visualization. It's how you create different realities, different worlds. It's how you tap into your soul. It's like, those are my favorite. Those are actually the memories that I have of childhood. I don't really remember, you know what I mean? Like we all have that where, you know, there are just like little snippets that you remember. And the, the moments are like me cutting like wooden fruit in my neighbor's kitchen by myself, like kind of serving it or like in the backyard, creating like this fairy land or just, yeah, where the mind is so active in a beautiful exploratory way mm-hmm. rather than just being like, zing. Oh, yeah, like I am productive. Yeah. Oh my God. I am productive. Or like even when you're Little young boys. and you're like, a lot of times too, it's when people have to take care of brothers and sisters. Mm. You know, if you have a home with a lot of children in the home or the mom and dad are at work, it can be Gotta grow up more challenging. Yeah, yeah. Where you have to grow up. And that's trauma a lot of times making you grow up too quickly and not allowing your ability to have imagination. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, but I'm really excited to have Lee on. He's Same. just such a such an angel and um, yeah, truly here to serve. You know, you can yes. feel that when you're in his presence. And um, yeah, so I'm excited for this series of books. Book one is, is out. out now. Conversations with Disease, the Energetics of the New human soul. And if you love this podcast, make sure to share it with a friend. That's how we've grown. And it's just really a great way to connect with people. You know, when you get that meme from a friend, you're like, oh, they get me. You know, when you get that podcast episode from a friend, you're like, they get me. So you can connect with people by having conversations around the podcast that we share. And also we have our new podcast called Morning Microdose. So Morning Microdose has been popping off, top five on the charts already, mm-hmm. and it is the daily dose of almost 30. It is quotes and insights 
and downloads from amazing guests like Glennon Doyle, Zach Bush, Taryn Toomey, Pita Kelly. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, it's stacked. It's Monday through Friday, every single morning. So a lot of people have been like giving up that first thing morning scroll and just looking on morning microdose, maybe going on their walk or just sitting and having their cup of coffee. And it's, yeah, it's been really beautiful to hear from all of you. Mm -hmm. Love it. Almost30.com for all our courses and programs. Courses like The Life Edit, Sacredness of Being Single, Podcast Pro, and Law of One. And then we have our community membership, our amazing membership where we meet multiple times a month to support one another and help expand our minds and hearts. And you can find us on Instagram and TikTok, Almost30Podcast. And you can find myself on Instagram at It's Krista. And I'm at It's Lindsay. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm at it's Lindsay Simsick. Oh I changed it. I copied you. Muppet laugh. You were like, I'm at it's Lindsay from almost 30. <laughs> I honestly probably, I think I bought the domains. I have the domains, Lindsay almost 30, Chris almost 30. Yeah. I have like every domain. So it's hilarious. Probably have that Instagram. For yeah. You. At Lindsay Simsick. Yes, I am C-I-K. <laughs> All right. Enjoy this one. We love you guys so much. We'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Well, we're so happy you're here in person. I'm so happy to be here. It's been like a year, a year and a half um, since we were together on your show. And it's been more than a year and a half since you were last on the show, which was a, a virtual conversation. So I'm so thankful. And with the new book, um, one we loved, we loved so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I was saying to Krista, you know, you know, there are, what's so beautiful about many channels out there is that I feel like you will find a channel or more that really resonate, like where it just, it lands and it kind of like turns your cells over a little bit. Like there's just this connection and you're one of those mm-hmm. um, for me. But I was really blessed to be able to be um, able to access your live channeling with disease that inspired this book series, which was so, so special. And I'd love to talk about, we'll get into kind of the basics of channeling because I do want to update our, or really bring in our audience on what that is if they're unfamiliar. But just in terms of this particular channeling, these books coming through, what did they say was the purpose or what was that conversation with them about? So I have a, a friend, psychotherapist, Diana Edwards, and she and I have been friends for quite a while now. And we had a series of private conversations between she and the Z's during our friendship. And she always asked great questions. So I said to Diana, will you do some recordings with me and we'll put it into the portal, my members community. And that was all it was supposed to be. But after we did the first two, each conversation, we go for about 75 minutes. Uh, After we did the first two on day one, I went back to the little guest house where I was staying and I heard, boom, this is a book series. And I was like, because they don't do that to me that often. They don't grab my attention without me starting a conversation with them that often. And so lo and behold, the next day I told Diana and she actually asked them some questions and they've kind of outlined all of these titles and how many there will be. So we're currently, we just finished recording for book three, which is all about reincarnation and karma. This first book is the overture to the series, The Energetics of the New Human Soul. And the second book will come out in May 2023. And that's called Embracing Your Multidimensionality. Mm. Did they give you a perspective on what the books were and like the, the 
topics that they would talk about in each of them? It's interesting. Um, I didn't want to know too far ahead. So they've I can't even remember what the ones after book five were because I don't want to um, I don't want to pull myself too far in yeah. that direction. But the the reason that I they have said this in so many words, but something happened for me personally in late 2019, where I went through a series of quite big and surprising awakenings for a few different reasons. And at that time, I had this very strong feeling that both my work in the world and also my own evolution was just about to kind of go somewhere else. And I had certain feelings about that. It wasn't all like, whoa, great. It just was like, whoa, something's just ended. Mm. Something new is beginning. This was four months before the lockdown, which of course, none of us really saw coming at that point. So over the last two to two and a half years, uh, Regina Meredith just said this. She's, if you don't know her, her. she's amazing. (laughs) And she just, I did a sixth open minds with her. And she basically said, they're really on fire now because she speaks to the Z's in the show. And I said to her, yeah, I think I think it changed a few years ago. And so to me, sure, you can look at that personally, but I always look at things collectively. I'm like, well, if they're on fire about certain topics and they're saying certain things, what else is going on in the collective that I'm not aware of or what other messages are now emerging that it's time? Because the Zs always say they will only give us messages and information that will help us to keep expanding because that's actually all that matters. So, so yeah, that I, I've mm. noticed an urgency in, mm-hmm. in them, but not in a fear-based way, just in a, you're all ready and it's time. Yes. And, and that's, and I'm f- hearing that from the people who listen and also just friends I have who don't listen to my channeling, but like all of us are just going through all of the evolutionary waves right now. Yeah. And even in the last few years, just understanding the importance of timing, it's like time doesn't exist. And also the importance of timing, especially with information because if I think about um I feel like we were talking about something the other day where and you said you know I'm ready to I'm ready to kind of like speak on that now in Mm -hmm. a way like we've just had these moments of like wow a year ago we were so contracted and so scared to have a conversation about you know whatever but I think it's it's so important and you know one of the messages from the Z's in this new book was that point about sharing information in a way that does not, um, isn't destructive to humans. Mm -hmm. And so do you find that you've experienced kind of this like expansion of not only humans, but like of disease to like reach more people and really connect and have their message be heard? I, I definitely have. Um, I think on a personal level, I've got more more surrendered to the whole thing. Because certainly as a young channeler, I I had a lot of ego stuff around being very scared about how I'd be seen or how I would be disconnected from by certain people who and I even had a couple of experiences to beautifully mirror that energy I was carrying with close friends. So I think I've got to the point now, I think partly age and partly doing this for so long, uh, that I'm, I'm just a bit more aware that none of it actually matters. It doesn't mean I can live from that place 100% of the time, but that truth really is relative. 
And we have just seen that in the most extraordinary way in the last two and a half years. And we've seen how many people, because of fear, would be willing to attack someone else or go to war with someone else. And we also saw leadership sowing those seeds as well. So I think there's, there is a little bit of a everything's on the table now feeling that I think many of us have, even if, let's say, in the year of 2020, we were all a bit more in emotional shock. So I yeah. really resonate with what you two say about feeling just a bit more ready to, mm -hmm. to say the thing. Yeah. And I was someone like many people who would censor my truth for fear of how it might make someone else feel. And what I've come to understand is so long as you aren't uh, trying to attack someone with your truth, actually, it's okay that all of us, ourselves included, have these moments where we go, huh? Like, it, we're, mm. not, we're not supposed to be that safe here in that way. And yet our programming, and I think the, the trauma of being alive makes all of us figure out, okay, what's my safe space? What's my, where do I regulate myself? And, and, and I think we, understandably, I think we've, there's been a tendency to really hold hard to that in the last few years because of everything that's gone on. Mm -hmm. I love, my favorite pages were like 67 through 70. I was like scribbling everywhere. <laughs> and I would love in our conversation to kind of talk about the current times and we can even go from the more seemingly dark to the light, which I think will be really beautiful because it's where we're going as a collective. But in it, it talks about um, basically when we think about the division, there's a group of beings or people and there's a group that are invested in keeping us separate. And those type of people are dying or that the energetic death of that group is happening. And so we will be moving to a place where once that sheds away, we will become closer together. But is that why there's so much division? Because there's a group that's invested in keeping us separate and keeping us from oneness? There are a few different things that they've shared around that. They, they, they keep referring back to 10,000 years ago. And they say that around 10,000 years ago, and I haven't asked for specific dates, but they, they, they say around 10,000 years ago, our potential as souls looked very different. And the design of who we were meant to be as human beings and as souls on the earth was supposed to be far more expansive. But because of certain interference, that got clamped. And so human development the gravity around us as humans got stronger and more dense. Now, some people hear that and they either freak out or they want to fight the who did that, which I understand. And I think that's a natural reaction. But actually, if you if you realize that something the Z's have been saying is everything we've seen in the last few years is simply the toxins rising to the surface that we've been living with all along. And I know it can be very popular to look at what's going wrong right now. And trust me, I mean, I can on any given day, we can pick the thing. But we often forget to also look at how certain things have evolved in the last 60 years in the most phenomenal way. And so what the Z's say a lot is our point of focus is really important, not to live in denial or stick your head in the sand or bypass. And, you know, most of us know not we, we know how unhelpful that is, but they say you are generating energy right now on the planet. And there are a small but powerful group who would like to focus us on the negative, the doom and gloom, and we're all really in trouble. And I believe it's great to look at the data that you can see and to hear different voices and to take on board what people say. But it is interesting if you notice that trend toward the negative, 
Where is it sending us? And I've literally met and seen people who've gone down with that Mm -hmm. and they're still down and they're struggling to come back up. One of the gifts the Z's gave me 15 years ago, and I still live by it, they constantly say, you realize you could die tomorrow. You could be gone. No matter what your age is, they say it's so easy to leave this planet. And they say that if we lived more from that place, we would be far more present and far less programmed. And one of the biggest things I noticed in 2020, understandably, was a lot of people got into fights based on fear for their life and fear for their physical existence. And I'm not judging them for doing it, but I found it very fascinating to kind of witness that when the truth is actually our life force is as precious, if not more precious than our body. And yet we've been trained to forget that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that deep forgetting have disease talked about that, where we forget just how powerful we are and we forget that we're not just a human body? Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of things that we're supposed to forget, apparently. And I know, and they did recently say there are some people on the planet now who have a really good memory of, and, and they play a role. They're supposed to be a bit like, I always see mediums as one of the most powerful uh, spiritual connectors that the mainstream has. Because the most skeptical person about spirit, who are they going to believe? Something that their relative said to them that there is no way this medium in front of them could know. So the the relative becomes a bridge to the spirit to kind of gently wake up the person left behind. So they talk about the amnesia that we have is here for a reason. And if if you have that kind of amnesia, as many of us do, don't worry about it. It's not a mistake. The reason that you have reincarnated and also chosen to forget your origins and how vast everything is, is because we're here to heal the planet as well as ourselves. That does not mean you're here to heal the planet on your own shoulders or on your own back, because there's a lot of us here and no one person can do it. But it does mean that they talk about ancestral energy and they say, we often think about that with our own genetic line. And they go, no, you're born into an ancestral collective energy the day you're born and you're all working with that. That becomes your starting point. And sure, that shows up in your parent or your teacher and it affects you through their personality forms that they've wrapped around that energy. But they say the energy's on the planet. So the time that you're born is very specific and part of our job for the collective by being here and by evolving, is we get to upshift and uplift some of that ancestral energy template too. There's one other thing, and I have to throw this in. The other thing they've been going on and on about for about six, seven years, the ground. They say we often look up for spirit and they say you have no idea how powerful your inner earth is and Mm. the pulses coming from inner earth now are what are sponsoring the higher consciousness on the planet. So... there's lots of different aspects around it that they share. Is that the Schumann resonance? Is that the Schumann resonance? Is that the earth? Good question. I I don't know a lot about the Schumann resonance, but but is is the Schumann resonance measuring certain frequencies? Yes, it measures like some frequencies on earth. I'm not super versed in it too, but I know there's like spikes where there's like influxes of energy that happen and they sometimes can be attributed to just raises in consciousness or times we're able to raise consciousness. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because I think in the book too, I also saw that, and I think this is a collective belief that we're in such turbulent times, like things feel so out of control. And I think from like the matrix level, it 
from my perspective, doesn't seem so out of control from like a historical perspective. If you think about in history, how wild it's been. But I do feel like from an energetic perspective, you can really feel the waves and sort of the reshifting and restructuring. So when we're talking about like the energetics of the human soul, is that mean there's going to be a shift in the energy of the frequency living in our human bodies? Or will that be more after we leave earth? Well, good question. The, the energetics of the new human soul, as they speak about it in this book, their message was, you are all becoming something other than you've ever seen incarnated on the planet. Now, on the one hand, I go, well, of course, that's, you know, that's probably just true of all evolution, right? But they were saying that we now have, we can go through eight or nine, what they call reincarnations while alive in the body. Whereas they say, if we go back a hundred years, someone might have gone through one, maybe two. So it doesn't mean everybody will experience that. But if you if you look at that from the perspective of it's not even having your personality change or transplant, you still feel connected. But they say the rate of evolution in consciousness that we as human beings are now able to go through is unprecedented, certainly for thousands and thousands of years. So the energetics of the new human soul, as I understand it, is a bit of a map and a blueprint for understanding why things feel so disorienting, why they're meant to feel disorienting, like the Z's are not worried. They actually say you have no idea how many destructive events have been averted. They say if we could show you the last 60 years and show you how many different destructive events have been averted, you wouldn't feel so bad about what you're living in now. And they wow. also say that all of these changes, the slower they happen, the better it is. And actually, then there is more chance for transformation rather than the kind of blow up that we would all have to recover from and through. So yeah. I've, mm -hmm. I've noticed as I track historical events just in the last three, four, five years, I've seen a lot of truth in things that they've said, even though I sometimes I have to see it play out to, under, to understand what they said two or three mm. years ago. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's been so many things dropped in the collective from like a crazy experience, like a crazy traumatic experience level or something that we've been like, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen that I feel like happened. So I completely agree. And I loved how in the book they said, you know, it's good that we're moving at the pace we are. You guys couldn't handle it really. You wouldn't mm -hmm. want it to go any faster than, than it is now. Yeah. The, the point about war and how we've become so addicted to war, but how that energy is um, dying slowly. Are you, is that like a masculine versus feminine? Like, mm. I guess what is, have, have they told you the purpose or the origins of war and what the role it plays now and also the energetics of, of the shift? Well, they speak a lot about uh, when you're in the spiritual realm or the universal realm, there is far more harmonic than there is on earth. And they say that war is a very human thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they talk about it being part of what was sewn into us in a way or sewn into the energy template these 10,000 plus years ago. So what they have said about war is the energy of war is one of our addictions. And it's an addiction that we are force fed from a young age. And so we integrate with it and, and accept it. It's funny, we were all totally. just talking, weren't we about... Yes. The movies and how like mm -hmm. for me i switch off 
at the 20 minute fight at the end. I'm there for the relational stuff. But as soon as there's just a big 20 minute war at the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, I, I can't, there's no soul energy in this for me. Yes. So I can't connect to it anymore. Um, and they have illustrated how when we feel judgment, when we feel resentment, when we feel competition, that's the war energy on a small scale. And so what we see at the extreme end of war, which, you know, sadly, we're seeing still today in, in many different places, is annihilation of other. And so if you look at if you think about that through the lens of 2020 and 2021, how much war energy was sewn into that experience from all sides. And so I think the empathic and the sensitive were a little heartbroken about what was going on and a bit bewildered. And I think people who perhaps hadn't really spent any time with their emotions or their awareness went into reactive triggers and were unaware of what they were doing. And then there was everyone else, I guess, in the middle. Mm -hmm. So they speak about the energy of war being something that is one of our biggest issues to oneness, compassion and connection. Mm. I will say that even just with with what we've been witnessing with Ukraine and Russia in recent months, I don't know about you, but this, as, as devastating as it is, there are lots of different consciousnesses around that than I've ever seen in my life. And, and, and so, you know, all, all I can hope for is that we do continue to evolve and move. Mm. And let's say, let's put it this way. <laughs> well, this is the other issue on the planet. Certain individuals or small groups who are willing to enslave or take others hostage to their mission of war. Mm. And so that is something that's in our face at the moment in mm -hmm. subtle and hidden ways and more overt ways. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. When you say different consciousnesses around that, I guess, what do you mean? Around, well, because again, you know, they they remind me and us mm -hmm. that the energy of war is seeded in us. Oh. So it doesn't mean most of us are going to want to murder somebody else. Right. But the many murders happen through our thoughts or our and, and it's oh, wow. and it's not to judge us. It's not to and this is really key because I think one of the biggest diseases in the self-growth, self-development world is anybody, any of us who were hard on ourselves can kind of see these spiritual rules and start beating yourself up. And the Zs always say, no, no, no. If you catch yourself doing something, if you catch yourself doing a pattern that you're not proud of or that you think you can evolve, that's the moment you should celebrate because awareness came to meet your pattern. And until awareness comes to your pattern, you cannot let your pattern go. And that was so helpful to me many, many years mm -hmm. ago as someone who was equally doing the why am I not over this? And they're mm -hmm. like, because you're human and it takes time and certain things will move through you very fast and certain things won't and you don't even realize why you're slow to heal this one thing. You think it's all negative, but look at all the people it's connected you to. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I really try, well, and mostly do live that way more now than I ever have where I'm like, I don't fully know. So why pretend to and why get my you know, knickers in a twist, as we would say in England, because I think I know, you yeah. know, and if I catch myself doing that, I know it's time to take a breath and go, okay, Lee, step back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me too, I had that, I don't know if I read it in a book or maybe watched it from you, but it was having the awareness of whether it was a healing that needed to happen or something I experienced where I allowed myself to just have the awareness be enough. 
Mm-hmm. It was like just having that be enough, mm-hmm. loving yourself through it, not being like, okay, now I'm aware. Now I have to do X, Y, and Z a hundred things. And then making that more in the sort of self hate energy. Yeah. You know, just kind of perpetuating the same energy where I'm like, okay, I was doing this because I didn't have enough self-worth. And now that I see, now I'm going to do this to keep myself in the same energy because I'm, it's not enough. So always checking the energetics and coming with kindness. But you mentioned something about oneness. And I think it's so important to talk about. Um, Law of One is some of my favorite channel Mm. texts. Um, And so I was able to really learn about the concept of oneness and unity in a way that I haven't. And I felt like it was really beautiful to read your um, disease perspective on oneness because I think for me originally in 2016, when I first became aware of the idea, I was like, how could that exist? Mm. People are suffering. Things are happening. You kind of think about diversity of everything, you know, everything seems good. So what's the balance between seeing and understanding oneness from a conceptual level, but then also seeing and recognizing the beauty of diversity on the planet of plants, nature, humans, all of that? Well, the one thing that they have said is that oneness is at this time on earth, very personal. So it's not planetary. We, you know, and I think any of us can look around and go, yeah, you can see that oneness and care, equality, compassion for all and recognition of the equality of all of us is not the system that any of us grew up in or are operating in right now. But, you know, an example with what you just said is that moment of pure love that you have with your best friend when you two have just perhaps had a difficulty and you come to this moment of understanding and healing and just respecting the other and the two of you look each other in the eye and you're like, ah, oh, my heart's open. Us and, Tuesday, right, Wednesday no, morning. Us, Tuesday. us Wednesday morning. <laughs> that clearing conversation. The same exact <laughs> thing happened. You're being very psychic today. I, well, yeah, it's funny. very I psychic today. It's turning on. <laughs> we talked about the book earlier. Now we're talking about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. I wanted to avoid romantic relationship because that's the easiest one. And, yeah. and, and, you know, a lot of people don't want to be in a romantic relationship or they aren't. So, and we've over glorified romantic relationship. The Z's say that. They say if we mm. lived tribally, we wouldn't care. <laughs> but they say <laughs> we're not dismissing the power of intimate relationship because it's how most of you are discovering oneness at this time on the planet. But they say you don't need that template. So they said if we were living in a oneness way, tribally, we would not be so fixated on one person. But that's wow. a product of totally. where we are. The Z's love polyamory, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think on some level, although they did talk about that once, and they said, um, yeah, what's your intention? Which I think, you know, with, yeah. my, with a few polyamorous friends I, I have, the ones who it seems to go really well for are the ones who are really clear about their intention and they're really clear that they're willing to do all the work around it because it's not always the party it's cracked up to mm-hmm. be that I think many people think about it as. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they the oneness piece has been very interesting. They've been talking about that a lot the last few years and that we can not only have those experiences in ourselves, but the more we practice having them, you can have it with a tree. Can you actually go and look at a tree and just go, wow, that's alive and it's been here longer than me and it might be here longer than mm-hmm. me. And like there are moments of wonder, connection, respect everywhere. And until we ha- kind of create and generate more of them inside ourselves, we aren't going to feel oneness as more normal and thus recognize when something is operating far away from it. And equally, we aren't necessarily going to bring that energy into the energy field of 
of the world. One of the reasons that for me, it was so easy to see leadership through a different lens in the last few years was I recognized how many people were not in their hearts when they were speaking. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a problem for us mm. going forward because disease are always saying heart is the currency of the future. So there's either going to need to be a major transformation or awakening in there. And I know there are a few souls moving into that area to try and, you know, bring some consciousness to what has previously uh, been, let's say, gridlocked. Yeah, that's been interesting to, and I have to watch my human mind of like, I don't trust, you know, like there's yeah. that. Um, cause yeah, because then you're like, I don't trust them. And then you're yeah. in the paradigm. But then I just like, I don't, I think it's like whoever would step in to say it's politics, say it's other leadership, say whatever. I'm like, I don't trust the system. Mm -hmm. So it's hard, but I, I agree in the sense that like, I definitely think there are some positive infiltrations happening. Definitely. Which is very... Um, very, very cool. I do want to, I do want to briefly just talk about the overly romanticizing romantic mm -hmm. relationships. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I think that's really powerful. Um, I, I have a program sacredness of being single and I've never kind of s thought about it like this, where there is so much, um, value and self-worth that we put into being in a monogamous relationship with another person and what that represents and what that means for us. And um, could you expand upon that if they've, if they've expanded upon that as well? Well, it's interesting you say that because I was definitely the person who was desperate to find yes. my relationship through my 20s and, you know, early 30s. And then I kind of let it go. And then, of course, lo and behold, of I course. met Stephen and we're now married. <laughs> so we're all, we're all married at this table, right? Yes. Okay. So it, it's interesting what I now understand, and this is partly some of the things they've said and partly just some of the things I've noticed, and I'm seeing it with young people I know now who are just entering that early 20s phase, we're really, there's a couple of things going on. There's a sexual awakening, unless you are somebody who is asexual in your relationship, which isn't most people. There's a sexual awakening that you want to explore, and there's a healing energy there, and that's coming online, so that m makes you seek that energy. But for most people who want to be in relationship, there is usually a healing drive. So because we've been sold this idea of the one, your great love, and this is going to be the most important person, and then you, unless you had a family that you were just dying to get away from, you're navigating that weird thing where you leave the family nest and the group and you're, you're just going into early adulthood and it's overwhelming. So if you find this one person that you can now bring all your bag of issues to and like project them all into this one person, a lot, I think a lot of us use those early relationships to just try and heal. Unfortunately, we're not often aware that that's what we're doing. So we're like, why did they speak to me like that? And it's like, well, because you need to, you need to go through this mm -hmm. or you need to learn not to be in a relationship that is just mirroring low self-worth to you because yeah. you kind of need to understand that that's internal and figure out where it came from and figure out how to move it so that's my perspective on why we why we often in those in the desperation of finding the relationship yes. we actually want to heal and so love close fixation on someone else, sexual energy, those three things combined they're like the perfect laboratory for you mm. to really dive in yeah. Yeah, the sexual energy, what is that? You you mentioned there's a sexual energy coming online. And it's interesting when you say that, and I want you to say more, but I just want to say, 
when you say that, sometimes I get nervous because I'm like, sexual energy gets so distorted mm-hmm. by darkness or I don't know, negatively polarized <laughs> beings. So is it for positive or is it just available as an energetic frequency and can be used in any way? So I've always experienced sexual energy as deeply creative. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you or anyone else who's ever created anything. Like I I think when I'd been channeling for a while, I started to notice my energy waves a lot more than I'd ever thought about them before. And I would literally sometimes feel pregnant with something I was creating. That's I think my experience is a bit more integrated now. So it's it's and I'm I'm constantly creating now too. But I remember the sexual energy piece that they spoke about. They say your sexual energy is part of your life force. So Mm. we have confused sexual energy with the act of physical sex, whether that's with someone else, whether that's by yourself. But actually, they say sexual energy is moving through you all the time. And a lot of creatives are using sexual energy and a lot of people who have a lot of energy and, you know, like to be social. So I remember once they said to me, well, you're all, you're all polyamorous. You're just not sleeping with everybody like you're polyamorous. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, when you go for coffee with your friend, there's usually some sexual energy there. It doesn't mean you're sexually attracted to them and it doesn't mean you want to have sex with them, but it does mean that your base chakra is firing and is part of the conversation. They say what, what tips it over the scale is when it revs up so much that it manifests as desire for the other person and that's when the chemical uh, draw to a sexual relationship can happen. But I, I, to your point about things being distorted, I think what's so tricky about that is we aren't taught about sex when we're kids and we're not taught about the sacredness of that energy. And I know for myself growing up, there were lots of girlfriends I had uh, who were friends, not girlfriends, who I think often didn't have time to figure out their own sexual identity before they had guys coming at them And then Mm. a lot of them, it took them years to find their own sexuality without being literally kind of, not literally, but energetically penetrated by the guy's desire before they really were able to find their own. And I think, Mm. unfortunately, that's some, a pattern in history that hopefully we're, we're letting go of the, the the predatory, the invasive, and, Mm -hmm. and hopefully there will continue to be an increase in the understanding about the importance of mutual respect, mutual celebration, mutual sharing. Because I remember reading something about guys years ago, and it made so much sense to me. It said, men are exhausted of that behavior. Mm. So it's not that Mm. every man in your life behaves that way. But if that's how men have been fixed as being, then they're missing so much inside them as well that they're not allowed Mm. to be because that personality organization that they've had is very limited mm. and and for me uh, that was kind of a bit of a revelation yeah because mm. it's also that's how they're portrayed in the media mm-hmm. you know where guys mm-hmm. like think about the movies that we grew up with with guys it was pretty oh, much right. all it's embarrassing it was pretty much all sex them being horny it was just that whole concept uh-huh. and idea and that is so profound because i think about that was my experience where I had no idea why people liked sex or, but I was having it. I didn't mm-hmm. really get it, but mm-hmm. I was doing it. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like heartbreaking to think about that. You're just kind of following along to what you think is normal because yeah. it's sort of placed on you during yes. that time. Yes. And I, that penetrative energy without yeah. 
before I mean, penetration where like what do you mean yeah you don't know what that is but you're like why do i feel violated without yes. being violated physically you know it's like a yeah. yes yeah it's very interesting yeah and it's interesting what you just said about the movies i think you know when when we were growing or i was growing up because i'm older than you guys you know the women on screen were pretty, had their hair done. They were like, are you okay, dear? Like, you know, mm -hmm. they were often put in submissive, nurturing or objectified roles. And that was kind of what we saw. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I first saw Princess Leia in Star Wars, I was like, who is she? Yeah. I love her. It's you know, true. she was a badass. Yes. And it was like, true. she feels true to me. I, I Where are all these other women? Because I was always women biased as a mm -hmm. kid. So, you know, I was kind of always more interested in listening to female singers, watching actresses mm -hmm. over actors. And yes. it balanced more as I got older, but I was, I was hungry for true female mm. representation without all the, you know, the barriers. Yes. Where do you them. think that came from? I think for me, I came in wired more towards the feminine than the masculine. And that was just uh, accentuated by being told, okay, you're going to be good at sports and you're going to be good at science. And I was, I was not good at either of those things. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm clearly not. And I also knew from a young age, my sexuality wasn't heterosexual. And I think unfortunately, in my generation, and we were lucky because we weren't imprisoned and tortured, although sadly, in certain countries, it's still happening. But in my generation, we were given no role models. And, and even my, you know, my heterosexual friends, they were told this is a man, this is a woman. So, you know, I've, you can you can keep broadening the, the problem into every group and like the limits that we were all given. So I think for me, I didn't quite know how to find my masculine energy until I was probably more into my 20s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did this you say anything about the children coming in at this time, like the souls coming to Earth and kind of what they are here to do? couple things um and i believe this is in either book two or book three because we've done all the recordings for those so far they've talked about the sensitivity of the young people right now and um it's you know one thing they said that was very sobering was that a lot of people aren't going to make it mm -hmm. um you know it's going to be too much for them that they have come in wired with they would say less of the gravity programming and they've come in to make a dent to our society. So for example, you know, they, they said if you're a mother or a father who right now is having to figure out how to deal with or help your highly sensitive child, they said that's also the part of you inside that was never allowed to come forward. And it doesn't mean it will manifest like that in you in your adulthood, but that's part of their job. But they did say that the kids coming in, they referred to them as crystalline children. And they said, a lot of them won't make it, which they said, many of you will, will think on a human level is very sad. And they said, of course, for those people who are connected to those kids who perhaps don't make it through their teens or their 20s. And it's interesting, because as I was listening to this, I was thinking about the suicide rates in teens yeah. and young people mm -hmm. now. Um, but they said, look at it like a sperm, sperm swimming to an egg to fertilize an egg. They said they're here to fertilize a new consciousness. And only one sperm tends to make it to the egg. And but all the others are part of the energy to get there. They they infuse it too. So they were saying not every child has to make it, even though they said it might be very hard for you on a human level, especially, of course, I don't even know how if it was your child, you would get over that. 
um, or you would be able to see it this way. But they said they have a job to do mm. and more of them are coming in than are designed to remain. So that's not to say mm -hmm. that to make us apathetic or not help them, but basically to recognize that, you know, for those of us who are here and have been here for 35 plus years, maybe, it's a weird time because the ground that we grew up on is shaking. Mm -hmm. There's lots of new people coming in that even if you have a connection with them, they're wired very differently. And then there's the older generation, some of whom are going through rapid transformation and some are digging their heels in and don't want to. So it's a, it's kind of a very interesting mm -hmm. energy map right now between yes. human beings. Yes. And in the book they talked about, and I've heard this in other things too, 2024 being the gateway. Yeah. And then there was 20. 30, which is also important. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so they, it was about, it was about 2015. And they started saying uh, 2017 to 2024 are the big change years. And you know, at the time you hear that, oh, okay, you know, I didn't really know how to what to make of that. And then boy, oh boy, when we were in 2020, mm. I was like, oh, so there are a couple of things they've said about 2024. They have said it's the end point of this intense transformation period that we're in. They said that doesn't mean that all of the struggle or the difficulty goes away that year. But they say there is the potential for more of a crescendo in that year, but it's not decided. They said it can go either way. It doesn't necessarily mean that 2024 has a lot of dramatic events. But they said if dramatic events are what are required to move us to the next phase as a collective, then that is what we will create and manifest. Then they have said 2025 to 2030 is the more evident appearance of a new world, a mm. new consciousness. I'm always a little mm, mm, circumspect, maybe. When I get those kinds of predictions, I try not to go into them too much because it's very easy to overly interpret what they're saying the way you want to hear it or think about it for good and for bad. I've heard people say, oh my God, the Z said it's all going to be awful. And I'm like, but equally, I have been Pollyanna about some of their predictions too. You know, they told me that um, when I was 33, it was going to be the turning point year of my life. So I was looking forward to it for two years and I didn't know it was going to be the year from hell. Mm -hmm. But if I now look back at that year, it set the stage for all of this. Mm -hmm. So I try and stay loose with that. But we're in a very um, key time. And they say that by the time we get to 2025, the sun will illuminate the forward progress more than we can currently see it. But mm -hmm. they said in the meantime, keep looking for celebrating and generating evolution where you can. Yeah, I think, I think that's so important to highlight the ability for us in this moment where there's so many opportunities to be like, this is crazy. This mm -hmm. is dark. This is not working. This is crumbling. This is chaotic to, yeah. And, and almost like the mundane and the small things, moments, people, experiences that are true light, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like taking a walk out in yeah. nature and we're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. you know, just these little moments. And have they said anything about that, about just um, our ability right now to like literally experience heaven in a way. They, they not only talk about our ability to experience that, but they also talk about our responsibility to generate that for ourselves and for others. It's interesting because you use the word responsibility, you have to be very careful, especially in our field, because there are many people who are ready to 
you know, strap a responsibility onto themselves. <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah, self-help yeah. people are like, right? I got room. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, and I, I, one of the best things they ever did for me was remind me that this world is not for me or anybody to save. And don't get me wrong, I was not under the illusion I was saving the world or anything, but it was like a paradigm shift for me. It was like, mm. oh, no. And they say there is darkness on this planet, but there is a ton of light. And the darkness will always take your attention and your focus because that's what's sewn into our conditioning, our programming and our systems. But they say you are here to build and help be one of the many, many, many millions of builders who are here to seed the foundation of something that is basically more conscious because what you're talking about is consciousness and awareness. Mm -hmm. Because I think if someone is conscious and aware, no matter what's going on in their life, and I have this, you know, you have a challenge in the morning or something's upset you on the right because you feel for what someone's going through or and then an hour later can you actually be in the present moment for 10 minutes mm -hmm. that's the barometer of an ability to be with awareness not I have to constantly be zen and avoid everybody's calls because they are bringing me down <laughs> you know and that that can be a temporary solution <laughs> if you haven't le yet learned your boundaries and many of us had to do that at times but yeah, I, I, mm. I think they talk about creating it and generating it, not just to experience it, but that when we experience it in our aura, our aura changes. I mean, mm. those people that we love being around, they're not necessarily yeah. the laugh or riot or the one that's running around the party talking to everyone. Mm. I'm always totally drawn by the people i'm like wow why do i just feel so good mm -hmm. in your aura and i'm like oh you've done some work here yeah you weren't born that way but you've you've reclaimed parts of your inner body and i i like it because it's spacious mm -hmm. thank you oh that's so you know? cool that'd be cool to say to someone at a party i know honestly <laughs> i like that you've reclaimed parts of your aura. yeah i did i had um an experience where i was on a plane and sitting next to someone and they were talking to me and he was like just like, I just love being in your energy. Mm. I just, you know, it feels so good. And I was like, being mindful. I'm like, no siphoning. <laughs> I was like, no siphoning, but like all good. But I was in such a bad mood that day. I was just like kind of slobbing around. And I was like, oh, I'm so grateful that the work even shows when I'm not trying that mm. when you like work to love yourself mm. enough that even in those moments where you're not like, hey, yeah, how are you? And you're efforting yeah. in the energy, you know, you're like, I want to make you feel good. It was like, oh, just being in presence. Yeah. Like the energy field is is speaking for me. Um, one of the liberating parts you mentioned, and I want to just double click on it, is the role modeling. Is mm -hmm. giving people the liberation of enjoying their life and loving their life as a way to serve the collective. Mm -hmm. And that's a message that I just feel so strongly about because as an empath, you know, I can have the tendency to take on everything. Mm -hmm. So it felt really good to just focus on my oneness and my path as a way to inspire others. Can you talk a little bit more about when they talked about that? Well, I'm actually going to pick up on what you just yeah. said, because that was beautiful. And I think many of us relate to it. And I, I've, there are different stages that I think empaths find themselves in. One of the most difficult stages for empaths is the victim stage. Mm. Oh, I'm burdened by everyone else's emotions. Oh, I can't go into that room and not feel everybody. And I've, you know, I've worked with some, and trust me, I've had my own journey around a lot of that stuff, but I've worked with some people and they get very upset when you try and start helping them. Okay, okay, great. We're going to, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. That's my role. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you're fixing mm. yourself in difficulty. So what part of you 
has not dealt with the inner difficulty in yourself or is avoiding the inner difficulty in yourself by leaving your own body and visiting everyone else's emotions. So that's the shadow side. It's very non-complex, uncouth, not uncouth, a heavy way of saying it, but that's kind of like the, mm. the boulder of being the empath or the rock. And then all empaths are essentially becoming masters of connection. So as you go through life and as you go through your experiences, you can slightly tweak and evolve those energetic boundaries. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I love now is there were times years ago where I was having to figure out my boundaries and how to, yes. now it's really effortless for me. Yeah. Like I can get it's into someone's energy. presence within like 20 seconds. I'm like, oh, I see where this yep. is going to go. I'm going to politely excuse myself. This isn't for me. Yep. But 10 years ago, it was for me because I was dealing with my own enmeshment wounds. And so they were the perfect Match. person to cast. <laughs> so I actually think the evolutionary role of an empath is to essentially bring that oneness energy that you are trying to create create and organize <laughs> in the room outside you into your own body mm. and then the more it comes into your own body the more it can emanate from within and you're not getting trapped or tied with other people you are instead reclaiming this connection to spirit mm. and to other and that creates this whole oneness wheel mm. in you but I think many of us especially because empath wounds tend to be around being starved of connection mm -hmm. and because we couldn't connect to a society that wasn't very connected when we were kids. We often mm -hmm. have to like go through those wounds and heal them, fill them in. And then gradually the empath goes, oh, I'm here for something far bigger mm -hmm. than those relationships I was obsessed by in my 20s and 30s. But if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have calibrated to the human energy field and human relationships in a way that might make me more useful as a mentor, as a voice, as an energy field in, in later years. Mm. You're being very psychic today. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> the it's empath wild. work is yes. like what I want to really step into because I was an unconscious empath for most of my life and it can be incredibly painful. And then you go through the period, yes, where you're the victim and then you create these like electric fence boundaries and you're like, no, boundary. And then you can really love yourself enough or be in that your heart enough where your energy is the boundary and your awareness is the boundary. And it's very fluid. It's very in conversation. It's very like in the moment, which is really beautiful. But it's been heartbreaking to see so many people that I know are empaths and have these very special gifts. And when I think about star seeds or people mm -hmm. that come back like wanderers, I think a lot of them are empaths, mm -hmm. you know, people that are deeply in tune. And so to see them give their power away to mostly unconscious people you know, not to do sides, but mostly unconscious people is really heartbreaking. Mm. And I really would love to empower them as much as possible to come back to their bodies, their nervous systems, and really come back to a place of using it as a superpower. Mm -hmm. I love, love that you're saying that. And and I don't know about you guys. I, I, I've not met many people who identify as empathic. And of course, on some level, every human being has the potential to be empathic, but there will be certain ones as as any of our subgroups that will lead the way and will be the balance in the group by holding an energy quite strongly. So I don't know any, I don't think I know anybody who identifies as an empath who did not have the difficult unconscious journey, um, but, but, but didn't know. And, and you nailed it with the word unconscious. You know, I was taken to Weight Watchers age 10 because my overeating destructive tendency started at the age of eight. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't get free of it until I think the last time I was bulimic was about the age of 19, 20. So I went through all of the teenage years, which is all about, you know, how the hell do I manage these fast moving feelings in this adult world? So I, you know, I like many have that story of how I turned it on myself and then had to recover from it. But what I've come to understand now, it's a bit like when you've healed from a really traumatic event in your life, or there is enough space between you and it, you start to see it differently. Mm -hmm. Like I look back at that now and I'm like, that was all of that and all of the emotional pain and psychological darkness that I could feel at times in really strong ways kind of set me up. Mm. For, for not only what I'm doing now, but even how I'm experiencing life now. So mm. I think I think in a way, empaths do two things. You have to recover yourself, but you're also unbeknownst to you in all of those tricky relationships. Yeah, maybe you are with people who seemed unconscious or mm. uh, was a very toxic dynamic for you, but you don't actually know what them being with you did for them. And I'm tr mm. I'm trying not to say one is bad, one is yeah. good, because that's not true. But uh, there's one relationship I was in, where many years later, we met and he said, you know, I, I never quite got over you, but I always remembered what you taught me. And I was like, mm -hmm. and um, trust me, I'm not saying everybody would have said that yes. about me. But I was struck by mm. that, because I thought, Oh, you fought me so hard. Mm. You fought love so hard when I was with you, that I just thought, Oh, and, and of course, on some level, that's what I'd manifested because I also didn't know how to create it. And so it, it was a nice moment for both of us to go, wow, that wasn't a healthy dynamic we were in together. But both of us can look back and see the healing. So you never know. Mm -hmm. You never know mm -hmm. why your jagged path happens for you personally or for the or or the ripple effect you have on the people mm -hmm. that you 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 go through things with. Mm -hmm. One of, I feel like you share this fantasy mm -hmm. too, of like wanting to connect with those that you've been with either romantically or maybe previous friends or whatever, that you can have a conscious conversation about why you came together mm -hmm. and what you learned from each other and just kind of like, just have that really conscious mm -hmm. moment of like, you know, that's exactly why we came together. Like, I think that I would, would be love so a fun. table of all my ex boyfriends and just like, well, yo, <laughs> like, I cannot believe I was doing this or you were doing that or I was. But I think that, like, like it, my dream, it, it, if that happened more often, then that that would be one of the many signs that I'm like, yeah, because that would be so beautiful yes. to kind of set aside any. It's also 100% my ego being like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's 100% wasn't I, ego. Wasn't I the best? It's not, it's not but 100%. Like, it's like 43. Yeah, yeah. But there yeah. is a lot where I'm just like, oh, I would love to use my tools now and be like, hey, I'm so sorry that I was yes. completely whatever. And, you know, you were doing this or I was, and just kind of being able to like go through the process of it, especially being someone that was an empath and really didn't know what was going on a lot of times in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. So here's a question for you, because I love what you're saying. And I agree with you. But does you now need healing from you 10 years ago? Meaning, mm -hmm. for me, the conscious conversation is really easy to have when I've let go and I've moved through it. Yes. And then the conscious conversation, it's not that it's not nice. 
but isn't it funny that we often crave the conscious conversation when yeah. we're in the pain? Mm. And and something you just said made me think about this war dynamic that we have again of, isn't it interesting how today, and we've seen this a lot with cancel culture, we as a society, there's a large portion of society that still wants to kill somebody off. I remember there was an incident with, uh, I've, I'm, I don't want to mess his name up, but was it Jussie Smollett? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember yes. when all of that happened, I was so moved. I saw Ian Levanzant on a red carpet, um, just happened to be on some red carpet, and I saw a clip of it that night. And someone said, what do you think about everything that's gone on with, you know, and of course it was all about villainizing and judging and shaming and all of that stuff. And she said, he needs our help. She said he needs our help. And I was like, yep, that's, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the energy of oneness. Like, are we allowed to transform? So with, with our exes, are they allowed to transform? You know, Mm -hmm. some people go, I don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, because you don't want to see them because you never want to see them again. Or how would you feel if they've transformed and they're no longer holding the energy they were holding? And what about you? Have you transformed? So Mm -hmm. I, I think that would be a really amazing conversation and I'm struck by my older friends who are in their 60s and 70s who will talk to me about yeah there comes a point where you're like yeah we had a conflict we had we fell out Mm -hmm. but I love you and the reason that we fell out is because of the love between us Mm -hmm. and there is something to just kind of seeing the cosmic joke of it all Mm -hmm. but that's not easy when you're in pain and when a wound has been activated and the person with whom you co-activated that wound is not the person you can be with to repair it. Yeah. I wonder if we'll talk to our kids like this when they're having like moments. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think you will, I, but I also think you you two are going to be in trouble because your kids, I, on, true. on the day that you're not know. speaking this way, they're going to go, you wouldn't say that on your podcast. Uh, yes. And you'll be like, <laughs> that is you so true. The record that we have I know. online that our kids are, I mean, my they're kids will not like have internet lame. until they're 30. Yeah, they're going to be like, <laughs> lame, your lame podcast. Yeah. They're like, mom, you're almost 60 now. What are you going to do? Uh, oh my um, gosh. I would love, I would love to shift. Um, I think most of our audience is familiar with channeling and mm-hmm. what that entails, but I would love to um, just really put into context your relationship with disease um, and how exactly this happens um, for those that are very, very new to channeling. So first, I'll just explain how it happens for me. So when I hear the Zs and speak to the Zs, for me, and this is just me because we're all different, they're located, I hear them from a point, you know, almost a meter above my head, always on the left. And that's my contact point or my directional window for them. And that's been like that for 23 years. Um, When I'm channeling for others or for a group or for a recording, I am semi-conscious, meaning I could stop the channel at any time. Like if I wanted to, you know, push myself back into my body and my mind. But there is a my experience is I get to sit behind and I I hear what they're saying. I forget it pretty quickly afterwards um, because it's fast and it's not my information. So I I can't always track what they're saying or understand it. But it's like I let a stream, their 
their their their use of my language facility come down through the front of my face. They never go lower than my throat. Like I don't feel them going down into my body, but they do say they use my chakras and my energy, and you know that that's the the, the meld. So that's how it works. Mm-hmm. And then when I first met them, I was on the subway in London, and I think we probably talked about this on the last show I did with you guys, but. You know, part of my biggest issue with the channeling was believing it was real because I thought, well, surely I should be a raw vegan doing yoga every day in some monastery before this can happen because I was not pure. I was somebody dealing with all his own stuff. And, you know, I was 23. I had a a lot that I was still unpacking. But to me, there's something brilliant about that because I'm like, well, what do you mean it happens on a subway on my way to my fundraising job for Greenpeace? How can I be sifting through all these negative thoughts and then boom, there they are. And they said, we've been with you since childhood. You heard us until you were six and then you you couldn't hear us anymore. You didn't, you know, you kind of, we needed to back off so that you could go through all of your earth stuff. But we reconnected with you two years ago through the music. So I started hearing music when I was 21. And as a music lover, that was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do with my life. And so there's been this series, sequence of events for me. So I always argue to everybody, we can all channel. It doesn't mean we're all going to meet our guides like I did, but we can all speak to our higher self or our soul. So I say to everybody who's interested, sit down with a piece of paper or do what I do. I use my iPhone and I use notes and write down what does my soul want to tell me today? And then just let yourself write for two or three minutes. And I've done this in, you know, hundreds of people in a workshop room. I've I've turned this to them. And some people are like, oh, I, don't, uh, I thought I was just <laughs> listening to you do it. But I've never seen anybody not do it. I, everybody can write something. And most people, when they've written it, they start crying. And it's a couple of reasons. Number one, the frequency of our guides and the frequency of our soul It's coming from a higher octave of love than we as human beings are used to living in. Doesn't mean we don't have peak love experiences or people in our life who are so loving. But it's not the norm. It's not how we're all walking down the street, smiling at everyone, looking, wouldn't that be nice? But you first get calibrated to that frequency. So some people go, well, it's not useful information. They're just saying, oh, you're nice. I'm loving. And I'm like, well, do you speak to yourself like that? And they go, oh, no. So initially, you need to calibrate to the frequency, and then the information can get very, very useful. So for me, I now understand it was a contract. But they've always said it's a choice. You know, I've almost given up channeling three times in the 18 years I've been doing it publicly. And um, each time I try and walk away from it, it comes back stronger. And but So that's how it works for me. Mm. And the Zs explain they're a group, which was a novelty to me because I only thought you channel one being. That's all I knew at the time or all I'd heard of. And they said, no, we're a group of 88 beings, but we then extend wider into source. So they said, just as you're channeling us, we're channeling too. So we can, you know, pop into the cosmic libraries and the access point never ends. It's just as a human, you believe it does because you've been trained to believe that you are trapped inside your own mind and you are trapped inside your own feelings. And they say your mind and your feelings are not your own. They are your interpretation of the energy on the planet that you were born into and what you as a soul have done with that. 
and in response to that. And that was very freeing for me as someone who had a lot of mental self-attack and self-judgment. You know, maybe it would have helped me back then, but, you know, to kind of realize, oh, that was never just, that was how I've interpreted this fractious energy on the planet. So, so that's the Z's. And the reason they're called the Z's, um, when I asked what their names were, they said, we don't have names, but we know that humans need names. So <laughs> you can call me Zachary. I'm the lead spokesperson. Mm. And then over a few years, I met a few more. And there was Zachariah and Zyadora. And for a little period there, like five years, I was channeling all three of them differently. And they're all slightly different. Zyadora was deep feminine. Zachary, you would identify as masculine, although they're both very balanced. And then Zachariah was like this hybrid with quite a personality and quite comical and funny, which I was always embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. But um, it was interesting at a certain point, they said, we're now going to be one group again. So at that point, the people who listened to me constantly called them the Z's because they never knew which one they were going to get. So in wow. a way, the audience <laughs> for the work named them. So it just kind of stuck. So fascinating. So, Love. Thank you. And we're very thankful that um, you're willing to channel uh, a message for I was told to. our audience. Yeah, thank <laughs> I you. I got the instruction this I morning. was praying thank on you. the way. I was like, <laughs> if you, I, actually, we prayed. It was around three. And I said, Z's, if you want to be here today. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Oh, to there you go. Fantastic. Yay! <laughs> I hope you can join me for Rebirth 2023. This will be our sixth year of holding a Rebirth experience in January. And it's something that I originally created because I recognize that the end of a year and the beginning of a new year is a very potent and fertile time for us to let go of what we have walked through and call in what we would like to call in for the year ahead. So as well as practical and grounded guidance around how we do that and open to that, I also bring in my guides who will be very specifically working with the energy of 2023 and what we are about to walk into to help us center, ground, but also call in what it is that we want to next create. The Rebirth experience is very multidimensional. We have everything from Qigong to dance, to channeling, to grounded teaching, to energy exercises, to meditations, to music. We try and bring you as much as we possibly can in as rounded an experience as we can offer so that you can really immerse yourself in one of the themes for this year, which is renew your soul. It's something we all need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So a huge focus of Rebirth this year is renew your soul. And the other side of it is chart your path, helping you to map out the year that you're walking into with intention, with clarity, and with joy. So we look forward to you joining us for Rebirth 2023, where you can renew your soul and chart your path.